0: Tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon.
1: It's almost (laughs) as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something.
0: Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. (laughs) I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff
1: all right hello and welcome to escape from reality a podcast for two queer irl witches read carry on by rainbow rowell and talk about it i'm lark malachi gray
0: and i am jesse blount and today we are talking about chapters 27 28 and 29 getting to the good stuff uh in chapter 27 we are in simon's pov simon is asleep in bed when baz's mom shows up on some straight-up Hamlet shit. Since Baz is gone, she tells Simon that to tell her son that her killer is still free, and to find Nicodemus. Also to kiss his temple for her, which Simon is a hundred percent here for. <laughs> Simon wakes up to another voice that he thinks is Natasha Pitch, but dun dun dun, it's not. Hashtag just string of cry emojis. Um, chapter twenty-eight. Uh, still Simon. The next day, Simon wants to tell Penny about his ghost visitor and gets distracted because Penny's like, what's up with your girl? Uh, (laughs) So the conversation is derailed when Penny's like, oh, yeah, your breakup totally makes sense because you guys have a lack of passion and affection. (laughs) (laughs) Which Simon is like, what? Uh, But then even more derailed because Simon can't get even deeper into this conversation about Agatha plus Baz equals... Bad choices, because the vamp of the hour, the man himself, Baz, makes a dramatic entrance into the, into the dining hall. It's end of so book good. one. Perfect end of book one, it's by so the way. <laughs> Beginning of book two, chapter 29, Baz has returned, intentionally creating the most dramatic entrance he possibly can, making eye contact, of course, first with Simon, then his minions, and then lastly with agatha end of chapter
1: end of chapter
0: (laughs) oh my god oh
1: so good brief reminder before we get into our first section we are spoiling everything through the end of this book but nothing from wayward son and with that let's get into easy come easy go where we talk about everything that doesn't go somewhere else just in in
0: chapter so chapter 27 comes right off chapter 26 where simon finds agatha up on the ramparts in her best bronte-esque outfit with baz's handkerchief and simon's just laying in bed being like you know what, it makes sense like baz's totally a perfect boyfriend to have if he wasn't a vampire and it's like sure s- spending a lot of time thinking about what a perfect boyfriend he would be just po- wanted to point that
1: out <laughs> yep i want to say right off the bat trying to think of the right fraction I think it's something around seven eighths of my episode this week is in sun Shivers down my spine So many things. One thing in Easy Come, Easy Go. One in Landslide. One in Face the Truth. One in Fantasy. Tons and Sun Shivers Down My Spine. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that. Uh, You've led beautifully into my one note for Easy Come, Easy Go, which is this beautiful pun that Simon makes while he's thinking about what a bloody perfect... Boyfriend Baz would be, and then he's like, "LOL, bloody perfect, get it?" Because he's a vampire, and we're like, "Yes, Simon, thank you so
0: much." <laughs> I really appreciate when people make puns in books, and it's in the books, and they're like, "LOL, yep, this pun," and I'm like, "Yes."
1: Yeah, Simon like liked his own comment. <laughs> in that he, sh- he sure did. He sure did. Oh, I loved it. Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about politics and things that are fucked up.
0: Yeah. So we get in this, in these string of chapters, sort of the beginning of kind of the like driving force of the plot, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, we get Natasha Grimpitch floating in in uh, Simon's room to be like, hey, I need my son to like avenge me, basically. Mm hmm because her killer is still free and it's like that's really intense (laughs) like the literal whole point of hamlet is that it drives hamlet insane when his dad is like dude your uh, uncle killed me and married your mom so avenge me and he like hamlet loses his shit immediately like Um, for the entirety of the play and so it's like this is a lot i feel like
1: yeah yeah Do you have a sense of why she couldn't just tell Simon who it was? Does she not know, but she knows that Nico knows? Or is it like the rules that ghosts can only come tell you like a riddle?
0: (laughs) I don't know. Like maybe she doesn't totally know.
1: Yeah, I think it's possible that she doesn't.
0: I mean, I guess it also seems plausible where it's like, if she knows it has something to do with fucking vampires and she's like, Nicodemus went to fucking go be a vampire, like, he might know fucking something
1: yeah i remember that he tried to warn her but she wouldn't listen to him so i guess i don't know if he like told her the whole thing and she was like you're lying fuck off or if he just was like i have to tell you something really important and she was like fuck off and so she doesn't actually know that one makes more sense right
0: yeah especially considering he was like fucking banished or whatever the fuck yeah Excommunicated the uh,
1: stricken from the book,
0: burned off the family tapestry, if you will
1: yeah, if you will I will,
0: <laughs> which I'm kind of like rude, but like okay, whatever, yeah, and I also just gotta say that it's really just fucking sad, like she shows up and she's like, Dude, where's my son? and someone's like. And it's like, I got to wait another tw- I gotta wait 20 more years now. And I'm like, this is so sad.
1: It is really sad. I don't really have any more about this aside from wanting to uh, just put on the record that we have here canonically that she is a person of color.
0: Yeah, I did want to, I did have a point to make mention of that. But yeah, we do have confirmation that she's a person of color and this confirmation that Baz is a person of color. And, like, you know, we'll get into it more once we have our seeing Baz in the flesh, as it were. But uh, I don't know. Even when people of color are very sick and like washed out, you still look a, like a person of color. And I'm like, I feel like every fan art of Baz, I'm like, you
1: guys are fucking doing this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I am, I, right. Because he's gray. That's, like, the only skin tone descriptor that we ever get of him. But I am always kind of bothered, especially by, like, fan art that doesn't depict him as being gray. Where I'm like, it definitely says that his mom is Egyptian. Like, come on now. Come on.
0: Yeah, like, her ghost is Dark Olive, whatever. Which, I'm already like, I fucking hate Olive as a description of brown people. Because I'm like, the fuck does that even look like? But... Like, visually, I'm like, this is an annoying and confusing... I almost said metaphor, but it's not, like, really quite a metaphor. Adjective. An adjective. Because it's like, olives are green or black. Like, <laughs> the fuck are you saying when you're, like, olive tone? And I'm like... This confused me when I first read it as a child, and I've never gotten over how angry this makes me.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is very confusing. I I feel like I have figured out what it means just based on, like, Google searches, and it's, like, very specific to, like the mediterranean so like greek italian and like northern african yeah basically yeah
0: and i mean i also have probably been on record to say that i really hate using like food adjectives to to describe brown people because that is way too common and often very lazy but like there are other things in the world that are shades of brown you could use to describe someone's skin tone so i know what the fuck they look like
1: so i do feel like olive is different it's like uh my it's like the word that dermatologists use like it's one of like however many like categories of types of skin color so i feel like it is a a little more forgivable than like other food adjectives that people use to to describe skin tone in like fiction because they're sort of using like a category color as opposed to like being whimsical with it yeah does that make any sense?
0: No, th- no, that that, that does that does make a lot of sense. I don't know. I think it just comes down to I want to be able to imagine, like, the shade of someone's skin color, and writers should just work better at doing that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think
0: that's fair. <laughs> I'm just like... But yeah, another... Always glad to see a, a POC main character, even if none of the fan art portrays him as such, which fan artists you really need to get get on that yep so there's you have the entirety of the internet to look at people from the mediterranean to see what they look like even if they are you can go you can come with it good in between between like sickly vampire but still clearly person of color just saying. yeah so yeah that was <laughs> we ended up getting a little more political because i'm just like where's mean things um
1: All right, welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. I want to rant about Rainbow Rowell breaking my heart wide open with this line about how no one has ever kissed Simon on the forehead. No one has ever kissed Simon anywhere but on the mouth. Is so tragic it is a very crushing this is an incredibly well-written book that i feel like no one has ever kissed me there before would have been like a sad line but being like no one has ever kissed me anywhere but on the mouth is like just destructive like uh, my feelings and i don't i don't it's just mm, mm -hmm.
0: it's like it's crushing because like being like touch starve is such like a viscerally terrible thing mm. and just like to imagine like that no one has been tender with simon like that is just it's just so tr- i'm just like someone tenderly pepper him with kisses yeah i mean eventually he <laughs> will <laughs> eventually that will happen
1: yes
0: uh, i think it's
1: interesting too in terms of our uh thinking about agatha as being on like the ace arrow Spectrum, because we do get a lot of indications throughout the book that Simon and Agatha have had like a decent amount of like sexual activity between them, and that she's apparently never just like affectionately kissed him like that. I feel like makes it make sense that we could be reading her as as experiencing sexual attraction but not romantic attraction. Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, I want to like hook up, but. I don't want to, like, tenderly kiss you on the temple as just, like, a random moment of, like, affection.
0: Yeah. I feel like for me, it actually also just kind kind of uh, puts into question, like, how much they have done sexually, considering how many sexual things you can do with your mouth that are fun. And I'm like, oh, if you're not...
1: You might not be counting those things as kissing.
0: Fair, I guess. Fair.
1: I do think simon is clearly very experienced at like very very hot making out we see mm-hmm. later in the book and like Agatha's the only person he would have been doing that with yeah and like i feel i mean it might not be the case like she could just be going through the motions but sort of what we see from simon it's like very playful and i feel like if agatha was just like oh i'm doing this because I'm like supposed to or whatever there wouldn't be that level of like you know playfulness and like experimental type like ooh, what if I did this thing like what would that make you do yeah that makes me feel like Simon knows that those things make someone feel good and excited and I think that that tells us that him and Agatha have had like enjoyable sexual times with each other
0: Mm -hmm. yeah you're right
1: It's like the most confident we ever see Simon is when he's, like, topping (laughs) past. He's like, I know exactly what to do now.
0: I mean, that's fair. That is fair. Yeah.
1: That's my one and only caught in a landslide note this week.
0: Yeah, my one was just about Natasha Pitch being Dark Olive, which we've already discussed. (laughs) (laughs) Let's
1: get into the actual episode with... shivers down my spine where we talk about the sexy stuff which these chapters are full of. There
0: is so much unresolved sexual tension that I just deeply love.
1: Yep.
0: Do you, I think you should start considering
1: I was uh, co-working with Theo when I was reading these chapters and taking my notes and I just kept like stopping and reading lines out loud (laughs) because they were just so so I just like wrote them all down because it's so many things just like one after the other
0: oh yeah I have I have at least one in all caps in my notes and I think probably another one that I was like I could have put in my notes but didn't
1: what's your what's your all caps one i want to know
0: um i'd do anything to bring him back which i'm like do you hear yourself my dude
1: like oh and it's so high i don't know why those parentheses there just make it like fan yourself but like he's like i'd do anything to get him back for her his mom and then parenthetical side to us i'd do anything to bring him back and you're like oh okay like it's it's like basically a romance trope which this is the kind of like
0: romance trope that in a fan fiction i'm like yes please just beer bong it into my face (laughs) so i am so about this like fanatical like oh you're in trouble i have to help you because feelings yeah and i'm like yes feelings tell me about your feelings yes uh so yeah i just love that and then i'm also like you just didn't even you didn't even stop to examine that but i'm like i'm here for
1: it (laughs) i know uh we get okay we start off the this series of chapters with simon i'm not sleeping this time i'm just laying in bed thinking about baz (laughs) if he weren't a vampire he'd be bloody perfect yep I'd do anything to bring him back.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I reach into my pocket and feel his handkerchief. Yep. In all of this, I never considered that Baz might be dead. He promised to make my life miserable.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then we end the chapter just with Simon saying Baz's name in italics. That's the whole sentence. Yep. And you're like, fuck! (laughs) 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 This is this is the point where the books are, like, it's just, like, so horny, and you're like, I can't believe that there are, like, 200 more pages before I get resolution <laughs> about how horny this book is.
0: Oh, man. Uh, if this was a fanfic on AO3, it would definitely have the the tag, uh, the slowest of burns. Yes. Just so you know what you're getting into. And, like, I'm not gonna lie, I, I do love a slow burn, so this def this definitely drags it out
1: <laughs> like, yes i mean yes. the thing that's true about me is that i 98 percent of the time would rather that the books that i'm reading just like not have the romance aspect i don't care like whenever people whenever i'm talking to people about the hunger games and they're like want to talk to me about like gale versus pita i'm like That is the least interesting part of The Hunger Games, and I don't give a flying fuck. Like, zero (laughs) fucks given by me. I don't care about any of the relationships in Harry Potter that we actually see. Fair. I don't care about a single relationship that we see in the Percy Jackson series, aside from wanting Nico to have someone and being really angry that it doesn't turn out the way that it is. But that's more just because I feel very protective about Nico. (laughs) And, like, just generally, I'm, like, I don't care. And the fact that this book, I'm so invested. Like, I'm also invested in the actual plot. But, like, when we get the epilogue and I get information, both the actual information that I usually want, which is, like, but what happened Mm -hmm. with, like, the politics. But I also get the follow-up about the relationship. I care. And that's huge. Like, that is huge for me that I care. And... I just, again, like it speaks so well of the writing of this book that I'm in any way invested, and much less to be like, I'm like tearing my hair out, being like, but when is it gonna happen? Like, <laughs> give it to me right now. <laughs> when are these dumb horny boys
0: gonna kiss? Like <laughs>
1: I, just, I just need
0: it. And it's like, why are you, why are you fucking around with this murder mystery? Why are you making out? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've been I've finally been reading ahead and I'm like at the part where it's like Christmas and it's like Baz and Simon at Baz's house. And I'm like, are you guys fucking kidding me? And you're not just gonna make out in this like weird haunted castle? Like seriously? <laughs>
1: I know. Oh, you're in the roughest part, man. (sighs) One of my friends is reading Carry On because of our podcast and had, like, messaged me and was like, oh, I'm, like, practicing self-control so I can read along with you. And I was like, no, don't. Like, we're going to start spoiling things in episode four. Like, read, read. And... She was like, "Oh, thank God!" And I swear, it was like four hours later she was messaging me about the kiss, <laughs> and I was like, "I, you were at chapter three when <laughs> you first messaged me, so you have done zero things <laughs> since I told you to read the book aside from read the book." <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it made me really happy. So
0: yeah, if you're if you're really if you're really waiting for the payoff, y'all have to seriously just read ahead of where
1: we're at. <laughs> just read. Uh You will not be sorry.
0: <laughs> uh if you love magic and also dumb horny boys for some reason not making out for like four hundred pages. <laughs> <laughs> uh man.
1: Yep. So we also have to talk about Baz, uh, but do you have anything else about Simon before we slide over there? <laughs> uh no, we should go we should go on to Bass. I am so horny for bass
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I love a damaged trouble fictional boy, so I come here with you. I'm just like it's like this is literally catnip. I'm like, yes,
1: yes, slamming into the room, but not like it's. Uh, because it's you know it if in the muggle world or whatever i guess this would have been him like kicking the doors open or something but that's like not classy but the fact that he just like spells the doors open and they like slam and then he just fucking slides into the room and you're like that is so classy holy shit everything about what he does from beginning to end once he gets to school is like Oh my god, like look at you go. And then he just fucking sits down with his little cronies and is like, gentlemen, what have I missed? And you're like, oh my god. (laughs) Jesus. It's like it's like, what does it
0: feel like to have that much confidence? Like, someone please tell me. (laughs) Yeah uh but also yeah i love i loved i love that he was like oh i'm gonna have this fucking dramatic entrance and like in simon's chapter he's like this like this like you know like whoosh of like cold air and you're just like what the fuck <laughs> <sighs> oh. i love it so much
1: i love it so much
0: i did <laughs> for, for some reason when like in, like, Simon's chapter, when Baz finally, like, rolls in dramatically. <laughs> I just had that song. My boyfriend's back just, like, playing in my brain. <laughs> like, on a loop. <laughs> and it's like, that is what we'd be playing if, when, if this was a movie. Or if this was a movie that I was making, that's what we'd be playing. <laughs>
1: yeah, that works. <sighs> I also, like, so we've been exposed to Simon's feelings about Baz up until this point we don't necessarily know what Baz's feelings about Simon are and I like that we we just get what two pages from Baz here but we immediately get him like it's hard not to stare at Simon Simon is too thin Agatha wants something for me I'm just gonna give her something that she does not know what to make of like make of it oh also like Why isn't Agatha eating with Simon? Mm -hmm. And it's just very tidily done where it's like, I'm actually not going to make you wait to find out if Baz reciprocates these feelings. Like, Baz reciprocates the feelings. Yeah. He's leading Agatha on because it's funny to him, which is (laughs) rude. Don't do that. But, yeah, it's, I don't know, I feel like when i first read it there was like a sense of relief that i had when baz strolls in and is clearly into simon and you're like oh yes
0: yeah this is really the joy of having a book with multiple pov chapters where it's like as opposed to if we just were getting simon's and it'd be like a few hundred pages of like just baz like what what is going on in baz's brain and now we just get it and we're like cool you're just as obsessed with simon as Simon is with Simon is like the first thing that Baz notices when he like dramatically walks up into that dining hall. Yes. I mean Simon is also standing up because he's also like magnetically drawn to Baz, where he's just like, Yeah. You're here. Where have you been? Why why haven't you told me where you were? Yes. How dare you make me wait? Two months.
1: I was saving it and you didn't come back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I had to listen to an awkward sex talk by the yeah, by the dryads. Oh yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, his like pitying fucked up overly long eye contact with Agatha is like it's like my dude. There are nothings going on in your life (laughs) that you need to fuck with Agatha also.
1: Yeah, I mean, yes. And everything about what he has been doing with Agatha up until this point is very rude. I do kind of feel like at this point he doesn't know what else to do. She's staring and it would break his character entrance situation to, I don't know, awkwardly look away from her. So he has to sort of roll with it
0: yeah
1: agatha breaks a mug i also just her and simon together it's as if they orchestrated this with baz because (laughs) had simon not knocked a chair over had agatha not broken a mug baz's entrance would have been diminished by at least 20 percent
0: yeah no seriously (laughs) Could could you just imagine being a like background like watford student when you're like Seriously, like, you're just, like, you're eating your, <laughs> eating your toast and your, like, eggs, and you're, like, can y'all just, like, be normal for five seconds and not have this be this dramatic love triangle tension and tri-? it's, like, what? It's too early for this.
1: It's <laughs> Like,
0: half the kids haven't had their caffeine yet, and y'all are being all, like... <laughs> Uh, it's all it's just so extra. It's so
1: extra stupid. But early. everybody got their little gossip fix for the next whoever knows how long because what a joy to talk about that morning was. Oh yeah. Anybody who slept in that day is like, I can't believe I missed it.
0: Yeah. I feel like I'd be the person to be like, I gotta go find my friend who's like sleeps through breakfast all the time to be like, You will not believe what just happened at breakfast. Yes. <laughs> There's like twenty birds like pecking, like, Wake the fuck up. I have some news. I have some tea for you.
1: Yep. hmm Alright, that's all I have here.
0: I feel like and we're gonna get more into this later in the bu- in the later in the chapters, but I like how even in like kind of these three things of chapters that it's like Unlike in so many YA novels where there's some like ridiculous love triangle that doesn't need to be there, I kind of like how there's already this undercurrent of like, all right, well, Agatha's being a little bit like ridiculous and confused, and like Baz is just like being a dick, and Simon is like being weird and like not listening to his very closet gay feelings for Baz. So it's like not like a regular like YA love triangle. It's like very much everyone's just trying a little bit too hard to like. I don't know not listen to their actual feelings I guess Mm. it's it's not I don't know I guess I was just thinking about when talking about the love triangle and the hunger games which I actually do find very annoying honestly because Katniss just should have been hanging out with I mean not with her family but like she just needed some like peace and quiet and like not a love triangle it's like I ship Katniss and like good mental health care
1: yes oh my god anyway. anyway
0: i'm glad that what's happening here is nothing at all
1: <laughs> it's not it's interesting it's nuanced we're invested in it it's great
0: yeah and also the real thing going on is is gay which is like i feel like the way that all love triangles should end we're just like well we can just be gay together instead i'm like cool
1: <laughs> i do think that that is uh, like solid necessity for me to be invested in a love triangle or any sort of romantic relationship too i'm like ugh straight people i don't want to read about
0: this (laughs) yeah fair
1: all right is this just fantasy welcome to is this just fantasy where we talk about magic and science and magical science. What you got?
0: So I just, I want to just mention that we get, um, Baz's, uh, drama queen entrance spell is of course open sesame, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is just like, I'm sure is just used to like unlock doors probably. And he's just like, Oh no, I need the like (laughs) automatic doors opening entrance. It's just, you're such a shit
1: <laughs> <laughs> <sighs>
0: that's yeah We could talk about ghosts but i guess i don't really have much for that
1: i just have the i think it's interesting that they just come to where you're supposed to be i i'm really interested in that like natasha's showing up In their room, but we've seen other kids, people show up like in the lunchroom or like on the grounds. And so, what does this supposed to mean in this case? Like, is she sort of roaming Watford looking for Baz and sort of just keeps circling back to his room? Or is she drawn specifically to their room? And like the first visiting that we see, it's a first year. So, like, Watford has only been her place for like a a month or less mm-hmm. so how does something become your place like how long do you have to be there is it like an energetic thing and so if you kidnap someone even if they've been there for say eight weeks that's still not their place because they're like they don't belong there
0: i guess what i guess part of me wonders how much of it is the choice of the spirit themselves huh because i feel like like okay yeah like you're a ghost, you're trying to find a first year Watford student. You know, maybe you're a first you're like a first year Watford student, you probably don't spend a lot of time in your room. You're probably like out with your friends or trying to make friends. But if you're like looking for an older student and you wanna guarantee you're gonna find them, I think coming to the room at night where they should be sleeping at school makes sense. And mm-hmm. I mean the fact that like no one knows where well, I mean, I guess at this point he Baz has been at home recovering
1: that's true so it's,
0: but i guess if you're a ghost maybe you're like connected to the world but you're kind of just like maybe just like well he's a student he should be at school i'm gonna look at the school you know mm-hmm. as opposed to being like well if he's not at school and he's maybe he's at the at my house but it's like why would he be there as the school year you know
1: so the ghosts understand the date but don't have like relevant i guess the ghosts would know from having been alive that the veil thins from september to october so they're like if i can get through it must be somewhere in there which is the school year if that makes sense
0: yeah because she, and Hasha knows knows it's gonna be another 20 years before she can try this again right which sucks and also like that seems much harder because like where is she gonna go in 20 years
1: right i mean that the first year's parent or grandmother like she wouldn't even necessarily know that that kid had been accepted to Watford. So there must be some sort of, like, energy draw that comes from sort of the idea of where the person belongs. Yeah. How long do you have to, like, be trapped in a coffin before the coffin becomes where you belong?
0: That's true. And, I mean, if the rooms that Simon and Baz are in, like, you need to have, I mean, Simon does, like, blood magic on it but if it's like you have to renew this ward maybe it's just like really strong with baz's magic and it's kind of like as opposed to him being like trapped in that coffin where he's just kind of like wasting away in there you know
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think that part of what makes me feel really intrigued by this is like i have moved so many times in my adult life And I've had places that I've lived for like three months and places that I've lived for like nine months and have felt more at home in some places that I've lived for less time than in places that I've lived for longer. And so I I think that there is some sort of energetic connection associated with the idea of belonging. Yeah. That exists where it's like something about like this space or the people in this space or like the fact that I like painted my room or whatever made me feel connected here in a way that I didn't in this other place, even though both of them were like my home Mm -hmm. for that period of time, you know?
0: Oh my God. You know what that means? If you're, if we're following your train of thought that that maybe Natasha is attracted to Simon and Baz's room because Baz really likes being there because Simon is there. You are
1: almost certainly correct.
0: Because he belongs next to Simon in their room. <laughs> and he hasn't been there for several weeks, which is very sad. Um, also very fucked up. Yes, <laughs> Even if his aunt makes fun of him for being like, what the fuck happened to you?
1: <laughs> Fiona sucks so much and I love her so much. Yeah, I- no,
0: same, <laughs> same. I feel like, okay, so I feel like Fiona has like, messy bisexual energy which is like the kind of female character that like i immediately am like i love you and i'm like you are a mess and you do some really fucked up shit but i just love you (laughs) Yeah,
1: (sighs) into it all right we sure did do the thing i think do you have anything left
0: i don't have anything left i think
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. Next we next time, we will be reading chapters 30 and 31. So get reacquainted with those. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review like Shane Anderson did. Because it makes us happy, but it also makes new people listen to the podcast. So take, you know, three minutes of your day write some kind things click that five star rating and um you know we'll thank you in the next episode and also you know probably cry because we're very emotional and validation is very good for our mental health yeah spread, spread the love y'all if you want to
0: follow us on social media where we do post about this podcast uh you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram at uh the Gaily prophet and on tumblr at the gaily prophet podcast
1: yes and if you want to support us financially you can do that by joining our patreon which is patreon.com slash the where every episode of escape from reality goes up usually early depending on how t- on top of my shit I am and whether or not we recorded it the Thursday before it goes out <laughs> <coughs> um <laughs> All of them have content in them that did not make the final cut. So regardless of if it goes out early, it always has bonus content in it. So that's cool. Uh, there's also a ton of other great stuff on Patreon. You can also leave us a donation on our website by clicking make a donation or uh, on Venmo or PayPal. There's links to those in our Instagram bio. Um, if you want to find me on the internet, I'm on Instagram at Lark Malachi. That's L A R K M A L A K A I, where you can do things like look at pictures of my dog Jezebel, whose 10th birthday is today. So, <gasps> you know, that's cute. I posted a picture of every year of her life. It's adorable. <gasps> oh my you God. Go click the heart button on it. I need to also, <laughs> I need to also do that, apparently. It's very good. Aww. <laughs> um, that's also how you spell. Oh, I don't know if I spelled it. It's L A R K M A L A K A I, and that's also how you spell my website, where you can get a tarot reading from me if you want to.
0: Which you totally should, by the way. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, where I'm often yelling about politics and fandom, uh, my Twitter handle is Jesse underscore Detroit, and on Instagram, I am live from Detroit
1: our show art is by theo julian forrester the music and our theme song is by kevin mcleod the rest of the music is bohemian rhapsody by queen and until next time scatamooosh